Welcome to the B&E Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry. Entirely uncut and unscripted. All right, everybody. Evan is ready to rock and roll, and so am I. <laughs> That's what we just did before uh, before we started. We asked each other, are you ready to rock and roll? And we both said yes. So we'll start this podcast off. Yes. Yeah. So uh, how you doing, man? Doing, I'm doing good, man. It's always, it's always interesting. <laughs> it's my favorite way of, of describing my state of mind the last little while. It's like, how you doing? Endlessly fascinated. (laughs) (laughs) Well, even when uh, I'm in the shit or when I'm feeling great, I'm, I'm just so fascinated by everything that's going on these days, which is kind of been, uh, I guess a real blessing in some ways in terms of how to handle even the, the kind of shit times. Yeah. Yeah. Just to be, just to be fascinated by it and, go into it. Yeah. I don't think you can ever go wrong having a sense of wonder or curiosity yeah. or openness to the world. I really don't. I just don't think you can go wrong. I think where, where we do go wrong is where we're like not open to stuff and where you don't get curious. And, uh, you know, we don't like see that maybe there might be something really good coming out of this moment if it's, uh, if, even if it's difficult or it's not working. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sometimes we have, uh, expectations on how things should go. And Mm -hmm. one of the big expectations that we have, especially in the Western world is, is to be happy. Yeah. To be happy all the time. And, uh, I mean, I don't know about you. (laughs) That can be a tough thing to, uh, to maintain. Well, impossible. I mean, happiness is a fleeting feeling, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's all relative. Happiness is this funny thing too, because it's all relative because, you don't actually know what happy is unless you experience something else. So Mm. if you try to keep a a feeling, it's just going to become bland after a while and it won't even be that anymore. Like, you know, um, it's like a, it's, it's like a law of diminishing returns. Oh yeah. 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 Cause like, you know, when you experience happiness after a long period of not feeling so great, it's like a pretty big deal. Like you're like, well, I'm really happy. This feels really good. But when you have been pretty happy for a long time, you actually will start to take, I mean, I, I just think it's human nature. We take things for granted, you Mm -hmm. know? And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's happiness is a funny thing because, you know, I think we all want to be happy. We, we all kind of have this idea and we like this feeling, however it is that each of us experience it. But like anything, you know, you have to be willing to let it go. You know, you have to be willing to like put that, put that down and try something else. Otherwise, you know, you get too comfortable. Yeah. And well, sometimes happy can just be a, a big facade. Totally. So as well, I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, to be gloomy, a gloomy mope or anything like that. i know people like that too, who they gravitate towards just being in the dark and they just don't allow themselves to be happy. Just as there's a lot of people who just try and stay happy, but then they neglect all the other stuff that's kind of actually really going on and really bothering them. And it all just, 
starts to make you a little bit crazy internally. I mean, we talked about this recently, uh, like accepting where you're at. Yeah. Uh, on the slog and the struggle. Yeah. I think that one. We're going to refer to that podcast a lot. I know. Well, you know, it's, it's, we're on some sort of a new, uh, a new wave or something. Um, I, that's how usually these podcasts seem to go. Yeah. It's like, you know, we'll do a certain length of them and, and they all seem to have some kind of a, some kind of a theme, you yeah. know, there are like, you listen to a series of three or four, maybe more than that. And there's kind of a, a tying thread to some of them, or there's a similarity in some ways, even mm-hmm. though they are all different, but I think that we go through cer- I don't know. We just go through certain themes yeah. and that's not like anything that's planned or anything. It's just the way it goes. We ha- we're working with some new ideas that have been presented to us, some new things that have come up for us and it ends up working out. And that doesn't always all get worked out in one or two episodes. Yeah. So, well, and there's, I think, um, there's, uh, you know, we'll cover something in a certain podcast, which was an important pillar to something we're building on in another podcast. And I think it's good. You know, I think it's good for the listening audience as well, because, and just for us even, cause like I've gone back and listened to some of our podcasts and I mean, Oh yeah, yeah. That was a good talk we had about that thing. Um, and it helps remind me of, you know, things that we built upon and that we're talking about now. Um, and I mean, I don't know if people listening to us are noticing a difference or not, but I've definitely found in my personal life. I've grown tremendously over the course of this um, you know, all these podcasts have built so much for me. I mean, one of the best benefits that I've gotten through this whole experience and, um, just the whole investment of putting our time and energy into this has paid off because with my acting, I mean, I've been going out for a lot of auditions. I'm getting callbacks. Everything's just going so great right now. And if you were to listen to me in the earlier podcast, I was really struggling with my acting. I was kind of trying to find my way to get back into it. I was working through a lot of things and we kind of worked through that, you know, together. And, um, and I find like right now I'm, I'm just going into auditions. I'm not trying to put anything on. I'm just connecting with the reader. I'm connecting to the scene and there's no little extras. It's, it's, and it's, and it's working. It's just, it feels great. It feels authentic. It feels true. Um, it, is easy. It's like all of a sudden acting is not so hard anymore. <laughs> You're not trying to make it into something. No, and yeah. I have nothing to prove. And, um, you know, and there's just this relaxed kind of way of being. And also like, I listen to my voice on the podcast too. And from the earlier ones, and I can see the growth just in my own voice. Yeah. I've noticed because I've just become so much more relaxed and this is transferring into my acting and it's transferring into everything I do. It's been an amazing thing, you know? Yeah, truly. Yeah, truly. I was listening to the I think it was just the last one we released. Yeah. Which was episode 15. Was it episode 15? Create or, your own work or. Oh, it wasn't. That was the one before perception that. And ego. Perception and ego beyond yeah. perception and ego. Yeah. And it was good. Although I couldn't help but say, Oh my God, stop stammering you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> A few times. And I still do that. Yeah. But I don't do it nearly as much. Right. And it was just interesting to, to listen to that and see growth on a technical level. And that really just came down to being comfortable. Right. But that has translated into other areas of my life as well. My interactions with 
strangers or just anybody really. And I'm finding less and less, I mean, not just because of this podcast, you know, but all of the stuff that's been going on through this year, this being a sort of a great way in which a lot of that has been expressed. And I've definitely grasped a lot of things that I've been going through, through this podcast. Yeah. But just a a certain sense of ease with other people and with other facets of my life where I'm just like, Oh yeah. Okay. I'm a little more comfortable in my own skin about who I am and that (laughs) sort of thing. Not trying to be something as much as I think I was trying to be something at times in the podcast and especially in those earlier episodes, it was like, okay, uh, I want to sound smart. I want to sound like I know what I'm talking about and that I'm, I'm interesting and blah, 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 all this kind of ego nonsense that, that really consumes you. And it's interesting that we did that podcast beyond ego and perception because that was, I think one of the turning points of the podcast, I think where we started to expand what it means to be an artist and, and what these conversations are really all about. I think that that was when I was first starting to come into these concepts of the ego and what we make things mean in our world and that sort of stuff. And I mean, now we've, holy crap, that is territory that we have, (laughs) (laughs) that we have treaded a lot. Oh yeah. And always uncovering something new in all of it. Well, so much of our talks beyond that point have been about perception and ego. I mean, like, and you know, the ego is this funny thing because I remember when I was younger and I was, you know, just in acting school and I would have teachers like, you know, like, you know, no ego or get your ego out of it and all that stuff. And I never understood what that meant. And I wanted to said from some egotistical teacher (laughs) (laughs) at times. yes, Yes. Yes. Um, you know, uh, I've had some wonderful teachers. I have experience a few teachers that have you know, um, their ego was definitely running the show, which was ironic that they were telling us not to have an ego, but I don't think they even knew what it was. I think it was like, it's like the slogan term that's almost thrown around in the artist industry. It's like, you know, get your ego out of it. Don't be ego, you know, don't be egotistical, you know, all this stuff. Yeah. And that's great advice, but it's again, it's one of those things that it's great advice that is, has been said so much and been stripped down and watered down so much and there's no context to it. So you don't even really get the whole meaning behind it, any of it. <clears throat> well, they don't, they don't understand it. And, uh, and actually one of the best ways, uh, you know, and we've referred to this book many times, but, um, the war of art, not the art of war, but the war of art, you know, what's his name? Uh, uh Stephen Pressfield. Stephen Pressfield. Yeah. It's it was on the tip of my tongue. Book. If you're listening to this right now, I mean that hopefully means, well, I mean, you're an artist of some kind or you have some interest in it. Yeah. That is a must have book in your library, no matter what, no matter what field you're in, no matter what your discipline is, that's a book that you need to read and have. Absolutely. It's, it's a book for anybody. And, and I don't think, uh, I don't think anybody <clears throat> needs to get caught up in the fact that, Oh, it's about art. It isn't about art. Like art is just a part of life. Like there's a math to life. There's a science to life. There's an art to life. And, um, you know, I think we got the math and the science down pretty good. You know, we, we learned that in school, you know, we learned how to get the right answer 
how to memorize. We learned how to do that stuff, but art isn't about that. Art is about expression and it's about exposing a certain vulnerability and a truth. And we don't get a lot of training in that as, Mm -hmm. as young kids, right? So we grow up kind of really weak in this area. And, um, you know, for those of us who venture out into artists, like to be artists, um, we just need it all the more because we don't get to rely on things like science and math because it isn't just the, the industry isn't based on that as much when you're an yeah. artist. So, but anyway, that the, there's this chapter in the book and I, I don't really remember what it is, but if you had the book and you wanted to flip through it, you would find the picture and it's a big circle and there's a little dot in the middle of it. Anyway, that's the chapter you need to read. And he talks about the self and the ego. And what I found out was that wasn't actually him. There was actually a, a psychiatrist who I forget or, or psychologist or someone who basically broke down. He took that from something and mm. kind of like has his explanation of it, but his explanation is, is very succinct and it's, it's very short. You know, it takes you minutes to read that chapter and you get a profound lesson. And, um, what I found from that was that <clears throat> our self is this hugely expansive thing that we don't even know the edges of. We don't even know what it is. And the ego is the labels we put on ourselves. It's the way we define ourselves. And to say, don't have ego is basically to say, don't be defined right now. Be undefined in this moment for you. Your character is going to have an ego though. So you have to define that. And this is the problem I think, especially for actors. If you tell an actor, don't have your ego in it, that's saying, don't be defined as who you think you are. That's essentially what you're saying, in my opinion. But the actor playing a character needs to still define the character. So Mm -hmm. it does. So you need to abandon your ego and let go of that and understand that this person still has an ego. Here's the other thing I discovered. You can't actually not have an ego. Here's why, because decision is ego in a sense. Like the moment you make a decision or define yourself in any way whatsoever, there's an ego in there. There's a, there's a certain expression of self Yeah. and expression of self looks like ego, but it's like intent, right? Like if I, if I, if I say I'm an actor and I'm emotional, I've just labeled myself and I've limited myself to be that, but I might, I could define myself as saying, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a business person and I don't feel anything. Both have defined themselves, but you could be either. You can be both the businessman who doesn't feel and express just as you could be the actor who does feel and express, mm. but you are both. That's the self. The self sees that you are both egos at the same time. The ego is blind to the other I- ego identity. And that's what limits you. So really like what I found out about ego. And as I discovered it later on in life, it's extremely freeing. And so the problem is, I think, you know, these young actors, they have teachers saying, don't do your ego, but the teacher doesn't even know what don't do your ego is. Don't be your ego or don't be ego. They don't understand. So they're giving you, they're like telling you to do something that they don't even know how to do. And so like, how's the actor who's learning from this person able to do it. Right. It's the blind leading the blind. Yeah. Right. So I I think what we're trying to do here and what we have been doing is we're helping define certain terms that people say and throw around and refine them so that people can actually use this stuff and apply it. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm finding is helping. Yeah. Yeah, No. And, and I think specifically in this topic of ego, I mean, it's ego is an important thing to be aware of what it is. Yeah. Because we all have one. Yeah. We all, we've all got an ego and it's doing what it will do. <laughs> it has its own sort of nature 
to it. Yeah. And, uh, it's something that has been talked about for thousands of years. I mean, you look at, you know, the, um, like the Bhagavan, the Bhagavan Gita's and like, you know, uh, Hinduism has talked about the yeah. ego and it's funny cause then modern psychology like basically has rediscovered something that's been <laughs> right. That was discovered a long time ago. Um, but as, as artists, it's really important to be aware of what this thing is, how it sort of works. Um, in my book that I'm writing, like there's a, there's a whole chapter on the ego yeah. and it's actually, it's like, there's a chapter that's on the ego and then there's a bunch of like following chapters, which basically all still tie to the ego because it's all within that. And especially as actors, which is why I'm writing the book. I'm like, I think actors really need to have a sense of this because I'm, I get almost head rushes these days from watching the, like the TV shows and the movies that I do, because that's what I see, especially when it's a really great, a really great show with really terrific writing and terrific actors. I'm like, Oh my God, like I'm just seeing egos Mm. like completely up on screen. I'm just like, Oh my God, this is nuts. This is just like, it's, it's mind blowing. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, I think, you know, it's interesting because when you see a really great movie and you see it well acted and, and all of that, the actor, like uh, let's use the example just so people can have a relevance to it. The Wolf on Wall Street. Yeah. The character has a massive ego, but why Leonardo DiCaprio played that so well was because if he's not trying, like there's no trying to be cool. It's like, he's like owning that ego. He's, he's in a sense, and it's not selfless. He's very self full, mm-hmm. right? But he's, he's totally honoring the ego of that character. But like where I think where actors, um, end up making a mistake is they take their ego and they confuse it with the character and they can't differentiate between the two. And I think that's why like very new actors, they do better at playing someone who's very close to themselves because they mm-hmm. don't know how to actually extract themselves from their ego. Whereas you take someone like Leonardo DiCaprio, or you take like Marlon Brando or uh, Meryl Streep, right? Someone like that. Uh, they can actually separate themselves, especially Meryl Streep. She blows me away Yeah, because she can just literally she, like, she's not Meryl Streep when she's in a role. She like, you see Meryl Streep, but, but she's like in this other character's life. And there is no, like, uh, there's just a, a real authentic element to it. And I think that's why a, a more experienced actor can actually play other characters. Cause they've, they've been willing to take themselves out of it a little bit. Yeah. Not, not themselves, but their story, because your ego is kind of based on the story you tell about your life, how you define yourself, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, and I think that a lot of, especially this seems to be kind of an acting heavy conversation, but why not? Why actors? not? You're going <laughs> to love this. <laughs> well, you'll love but it. It's, <laughs> I, I mean, I went through a lot of training, which was presented to me in a way of basically trying to like shoehorn my life into the life of another person. Hmm. And that's an actual acting strategy. Yeah, it is. And there's, there's very deliberate techniques. I'm not going to point out the people who are sort of perpetuators of this method. I mean, for some, I guess it 
works. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it didn't work for me yeah. very well where it's like, I'm just trying to shove my life into that of another person that doesn't even closely resemble my own. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is why I think any good teacher will tell you to work with your imagination first and your own ability to empathize and understand a character on, on that level first and foremost. But I mean, I've had, I had teachers telling that it's like, well, that's, that's not, uh, that's not really the most consistent way of doing it. I find that you've got to, you've got to start from a place of like immediately starting to look at a script and say, who is this person in my life? And when like, blah, 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 and you make it all about you. But, uh, like Larry, Larry Moss says that you should begin from a place of just authentically trying to connect to it yourself. See where you actually just feel it. Right. You know, as opposed to trying to then just immediately throwing your own stuff onto it. But just like, how do you, how do you receive it first and, and open that part of yourself up? Because how can you, and I think this is even the example that he uses, like he brings up Hamlet. He says, Hamlet is Dutch royalty who has just returned home after years being away because his father has been murdered and he's been told that he was murdered by, by his uncle, by his ghost father. (laughs) He's like, please tell me an example where you can somehow relate to that. Mm-hmm. Like it's something that demands use of our imagination yeah. to a degree and imagination that using our imagination in a way that actually then connects to us emotionally. Right. Right. Um, that's not to say that there's not that you can't use your own life experience. You know, sometimes something just jumps out at you and you go, it's like, wow, I know exactly what that's about. But I think when you're working, because then you're working from a thing of the past, you're trying to like drudge up your past constantly mm-hmm. into what's happening now. I mean, that's really what the approach is when you're trying to just slot your life in. you're just going from what you know before, which closes you off to learning something new, which I think is an overlooked aspect of acting in training. It's like, well, because to me, I see it almost as a, it's like a, it's like shape-shifting. Like acting is a modern form of shape-shifting that used to be practiced in tribes and cultures of, of seeing through someone else's eyes. The point is to try and see in a different way, to try and gain new perspective on life for yourself. Yeah. Opening something up. And when you're working from the past, there's no way that you can do that. Well, the other thing too, about the, you know, and I think there's certain ways in which the past is effective, but the problem with the past is that it's limited. You're always limited to what you've experienced. Yes. Um, and if you take it literally, you're really limited to that past experience where, you know, there's a, there's all sorts of exercises you can do where you just try on a wonder. Like, I wonder what it would be like. It's a great writing exercise Mm -hmm. actually. Um, and I did this, uh, you know, I was coming up with story ideas. I mean, I, I spent every day for, I think it was, 
I guess it was five months or something, five or six months. And I wrote a log line to a new story every single day. I wrote like 150 or 200 log lines or something crazy. Oh, that's like great. Just every single day. And some days were real hard because, you know, and some days were super easy. I could write like three of them, you know, so I probably even wrote more than that. But, um, but <laughs> not you, to show off. No, not, no, <laughs> you get good at anything. I mean, it's, it's practice, right? You just do it every day. Right. But, um, but, uh, you know, I have a system in which I, I, I apply that system over and over and over again. And, um, uh, I had this one thing where I said, okay, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm running out of ideas at this moment. I'm not really, I, I, so I need to ask myself questions. I knew that much. So I said, and they're just weird questions. Like what if, you know, what if I found out that my mom was a prostitute? Like, <laughs> like just a crazy question, right? It's just a crazy <laughs> yeah. question. But if anybody does that and they go, well, what would that be like? What if I found out that was happening and I didn't know, right? And, and all of a sudden your mind just starts to go, well, what would that be like? Right. If you're willing to follow that down and now it's all imagination. Cause I don't know, like mm-hmm. I, I don't even know a prostitute, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, you know, and so like, you know, it's the other thing. So, and this is like, it's all about that question and that question, if you use your imagination, you have access to unlimited, you know, and you can always back it up with data and find out information, but you got to let your imagination run a little. Um, and I think that little tr- literal translation or uh, translation into acting has shot me in the foot too many times because I'll be like, oh, this moment, this is just like that thing, you know, with my uncle. Yeah. And then I'll tr- be like, and then I'll try to apply that, but it's not the same. It's just not the same as the scene. And my emotion, the way I experienced it, because based on my life circumstances was entirely different than this character might experience yeah. it. And it's all, it just gets cloudy. And, and, and you become so self absorbed that way too. That that was my other experience oh, yeah. with doing that. And it's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to use this moment in my life, you know, to, to have this response to this situation. And next thing you know, it's, it's coming up to when that's supposed to happen. Right. And now I've, I've stopped because I'm, I'm like, Oh, it's coming up to this thing. And now I'm not even listening anymore really paying attention because now I'm just trying to think of this moment. It's so crazy, right? isn't it? And then, and then it doesn't happen. It's like, Oh, I'm, I, like, I don't know why this didn't work. Like I was like, I've, I found this moment and it worked so great when I was at home, you know, like, <laughs> like I was thinking about it and it was working and then, you know, and then I don't know there. It's just a backwards way of think of, of working. Well, in, in is, my opinion, yeah. it's like, you know, you're, because then I learned through doing Meisner work that all of the emotions are completely there. If you are present, if you are really engaged and listening and involved in the scene, you understand what's happening and then it all comes right. Like it's all right there and it'll happen because you've let go. Like you've, you've allowed yourself to just sort of let go Mm. into the flow of it as opposed to trying to just pound yourself against the wall of emotion. (laughs) I think anytime that you're going too much focused on yourself, too much focused, like internally, and you need to, if it takes any work whatsoever to do that, you're probably like not doing it. Like you're not, you're not choosing the optimal way to like access your instrument because, you know, I do think it's like, I do think that there's a lot of answers inside of us. 
And when you're really honest with yourself and you're really true, those will come to the surface very easily. If you spend your life lying to yourself and, and, and posing and, and trying to be an image of something, you're not going to have very good access to your internal truth because you're not, you're lying to yourself. So you're not going to get that truth. You don't even know what it is. So first and foremost, I think the key is to be honest with yourself. You know, I was working with, uh, I'm working with someone right now. Um, I've been doing a lot of personal coaching recently, just on various projects because we're making the full transition into the new business model. And, uh, this one client I'm working with, we were talking about her character and her story. And she goes, my characters, you know, she's, she's independent. She's a, you know, she's a, she's driven. She's focused. She's an entrepreneur. She left the small town to go build her business. And she doesn't get along with her family because they've always been like tearing her down and her. And I always try to get people to come up with a flaw. And she goes, but she's judgmental of her family. And that's her flaw. And I, and I was like, when she said judgmental of her family, I'm like, yeah, it's, that's not great. But I'm like, that doesn't really seem like her flaw. Like I'm tr- like, I'm trying to like, that isn't a, like, that's a judgment on her, but it's like, where does that come from? And we started the conversation. We just said, where does that judgment come from? And we started digging into it. Right. And we started trying to uncover this judgment. And we started to realize that this character actually has a certain kind of self hate. They actually don't like themselves. That's why they judge. They actually, they don't want to see that in themselves. So they actually don't like this part of themselves and, and actually it comes off as judgmental. That's the, the almost, uh, the behavior that comes out of this internal flaw. But when you got it, when you have a flaw, you got to dig deeper into it. And so once we actually started to undercover the psychology, we started to realize that her flaw was actually this, um, lack of empathy for herself. And that we're like, Oh, this is much like it starts to send chills down your spine starting. Oh, and now the, the thing is, is that's honest, right? So, so what I would say for an actor, if you find yourself being judgmental, don't look at, that's the surface thing. That's the symptom. That's the behavior. Mm-hmm. You got to dig into that behavior. You got to go down and find, why do I do that? What's the truth? The truth is, and, and, and psychology, I think, I think, uh, actors especially should study, um, because it's just good for you to understand how the brain works and how we work as human beings. Mm-hmm. But, um, be- because we project, we project ourselves out into the world. If we're being judgmental, we're actually projecting ourselves. So if we don't like that, that's actually us. We don't like, right? Yeah. So if you dig down, you can start to find the answers. And so it's really neat because psychological flaws, we all have them, right? Um, uh, unless there's someone out there who doesn't, I don't know, but we all kind of have flaws. We're all, <laughs> which would be a flaw probably. Yeah, probably. Right? <laughs> I mean, and, and the thing is, is like, once you work through another flaw, you're going to dig deeper, find yourself. But the more truthful and honest you get with yourself, when you're truthful and honest, when you're in a scene, that truth will come out. You know, I, I, I've been working very hard on myself to be very honest with who I am, the mistakes I've made, the flaws I have, the, you know, and being, ve- I'm owning my flaws. And I, so, so I go, you know, deep down inside of me, I don't feel good enough. I don't feel lovable. Um, there's certain parts of myself that I don't like. Uh, and I have not, I have not forgiven certain people. Right. And, 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 even if I would never do anything to hurt them or act out on them at this point, I still haven't fully forgiven them, but that's honesty. So when I'm doing a scene, like I was just doing the other day and something comes up, it actually, I'm truthful myself. When, when I need it, the answer comes. It's not like, it's not, I, I don't have to look for it. I have to dig in there. It's yeah. just present. It's just available. But like when I was younger, I was very like, I was lying a lot to myself. I was deceiving myself and I was trying to act better than I was. It was more arrogance, more pretend. I think all, most young people tend to do that. Not all, but most young people try to have a bit of an image, you know, we're kind of taught to. 
And so that's why we don't have as much access to our instrument because, you know, I read something the other day as an article I posted on our Twitter feed actually, but, uh, it's actually not good to fake it till you make it. Cause mm. what you actually give up is, um, honesty, sincerity, authenticity, genuineness. So faking it till you make it, um, might seem like a good strategy, but what you have to give up to do it costs you so much that, that even though it might feel good in the short term, it actually just totally undercuts you in, in, in the long term. And yeah. so really what would be better is if we didn't fake it at all, we were actually like, you know, really honest. And we're like, look, I, I, I don't know about this thing as opposed yeah. to pretend we do. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, the whole idea of fake it till you make it, I feel like that's almost like, um, it's a strategy that you employ when in order to just sort of conquer that initial fear of something, you know, to get into the arena of what you're trying to do. Sure. To be like, okay, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm just going to pretend that, you know what, I'm, I'm confident, whatever. And that maybe something like that'll get you into room, into a room, right? Like and a band aid fix. Kind yeah. Of and it's like, okay, that'll, that'll get you into it. That'll allow you to get an experience, you know, of whatever this thing is, because that's really, I think what the, what that whole thing is about. Fake it till you make it like yeah. short term uh, strategy. Yeah. It's a short term strategy. It's, it's something that's like, you don't have experience. You don't know what you're doing. You're not feeling confident. Like that, it, that's what's going on Yeah, pretty much. And I think that it's, it can be, yeah, it can be successful in helping you get that, just that experience, get over that little hump you know, so you can get in, see what it's all actually about and then can it Yeah. (laughs) after you, you've gone in there and probably realized, Oh, this isn't actually as scary as I thought it was. right? Right. Because then the problem with faking it until you make it is that if you continue to do that, I mean, you never really actually gain any self confidence, which is what you eventually want to actually acquire. Yeah. You know, you actually want to, you actually want to feel good. You actually want to feel, you know, assured in yourself. And, but if you're continually faking that you're that thing and you're not presenting your authentic self to whoever the people are in this environment or this world that you're in, when you're continually doing that, even if you're getting approval, well, you'll still never feel confident because you're getting approval for something that isn't real. That's the big kicker. Yeah. You explain that really well in my opinion. I mean, cause that's the thing, like fake it till you make it actually, actually does in some scenarios work as a short term strategy. But I think if we see it that way is like, okay, um, I, I don't know what I'm doing right now. I don't have the experience. I don't have the credibility, but I'm going to go do it. And you know what? There's no point in going in this like week. I'm going to go in And I'm going to just, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to put on the, I can do this kind of facade. And you know what? Sometimes that's what you got to do, you know? But I think that if you rely on that strategy, as you said, it it really does. It costs you actually building real confidence and it reinforces a lie. You have to live like, like once you tell a lie, you, you have to tell that lie over and over and over again, um, until, you know, unless you call yourself out on it, like it's actually more courageous to be like, 
Yeah, you know, I was totally fucking faking it before. Like, I was just yeah. like, I, I scared out of my mind. I didn't know what I was doing. And, and someone was like, oh, you seem so confident. And you could be like, you know what? Actually, I wasn't confident at all. I was actually super scared. But I needed to I needed to amp myself up enough so I could do it. And if you do that and you expose the lie, you're free of yeah. it. But if you're not willing to expose the lie, you're totally barred and trapped by it. Yeah, I think that the other option, which I might encourage people to do instead... <laughs> of the fake until you make it is complete humility and honesty. Yeah. Is you walk into that situation and you know, whether that's some sort of a networking thing or conference or I don't know what that situation is per se, but you go in there and you just say, it's like, listen, I've never done this before. I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, but I really want to learn. You know what? People really respond to that sort of thing. And you might end up getting more out of it because of that reason. You know, you might end up meeting somebody or talking to somebody that you felt like, because really if, if you're considering doing this thing of fake it till you make it, this involves somebody else. Yeah. Like you're faking it for someone. (laughs) It's not just for you. Like you're, you're faking it because you feel like somebody needs to have a, someone else outside of you needs to have a perception of you. Right. Um, I think that just with, with a more humble and honest approach, you might find somebody who's much more willing to help you. Yeah. You know, maybe they're not going to, that maybe they won't give you the big opportunity that is of your dream, but maybe they'll give you an opportunity that will help lead you to achieving that dream. Yeah. Right. But, and then you're being real, you know, I think that that's something that's so, I don't know why we've been telling ourselves this for such a long time. Like we're, that we need to present ourselves in in this perfect way that we can't be, we can't show any of our human fallibility in front of anyone. Um, you know, like we've got to have our shit together. I mean, there's having your shit together, but there's also being a human being. Yeah. And I think people respond to that a hell of a lot more than somebody who's trying to put on that they know all of the answers. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've experienced that. I remember when I did my first film, I mean, it was like 21. I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I kind of knew what I was doing around certain things, but I mean, it's 21. I mean, how much can you really know? You know how many departments there are in the film industry? Like there's no way I could possibly be an expert in every department. You know, there's, there's costumes, there's wardrobe, there's sound, there's mm-hmm. music, there's, you know, there's set, set deck, there's, you know, directing actors, there's cinematography, there's so many different things, right? So, you know, that's why young directors don't tend to be as prominent as like older directors, because older directors tend to have more experience, but there are these great young directors that pop up. And I would say, you know, some people want to call it, they want to call it balls, you want to call it intestinal fortitude, you want to call it courage, willingness, whatever it is. Um, that's all about, you know, that's all about, okay, I don't know what I'm going to, I don't know what I'm doing here, but I'm willing to go out and do it. And I'm going to go try. And what I found was like, I remember the music, uh, the composer, um, you know, I, and it was the first time I'd ever hired a composer for a movie. I'd made a few movies before this and they did all right. Um, but this was my first real like kind of movie. And, um, I said to her, I was like, you know, I honestly, like, I don't, I don't know how, how music is composed in a film. I've Mm. never done this before. Um, 
you know, we've always kind of just thrown it together. You know, I don't get it. I don't, I don't know. So like, and she was like, you know, she, she told me, and she was much older than me. She had already won like Leo's and, and uh, you know, a Leo for something she'd already done. So yeah. she was recognized in the industry. And, uh, she said, you know, thanks for that because, you know, you, you came in here and you didn't have like ego about it. You just, you were honest and now we can kind of like really work together. And, and she showed me, she taught me how, what we could do with composition. And she became one of my like teachers and mentors for that period of time, you know? And it was wonderful. And I think if I had gone in and be like, Oh yeah, like, let's do this. And like, you know, like, and I acted like a hot shot. I never would have got all those great lessons. Yeah. And like, at the end of the day, it only would have hurt me and it only would have hurt, like it would have hurt everything. So like ego is not the way to go. And I, I don't know. I mean, I think a lot of the time too, we think, well, I'm not going to say we, because I don't know what other people think, but I know that in myself, I've thought that I needed to be something more than I actually was for people to accept me and get by. And I've actually found the opposite mm. that it's like, you don't actually need to be that much. All you really like people love in my experience, authenticity and being genuine and being honest. It's refreshing. Yeah. Like, cause we deal with so many bullshit people yeah. that when someone's real with you, you're like, Oh man, like I can take my guard down. I can just talk yeah. to you. It's like not a big deal. Right. I think more than <laughs> ever today, you know, like, uh, we had a good talk about that with, uh, Marco Pasqua yeah. a while ago, um, on that, on that sort of matter. And, and also, uh, a guy that we talk about a lot on here, Frank Kern, yeah. a super successful guy who, who is just such an advocate for honesty and authenticity, yeah. you know, and not, and not putting up, you know, some bullshit sales pitch in terms of what you do or who you are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny, like Frank Kern is, um, I've never met him personally. I've just, you know, been um, taking in a lot of his content and, uh, you know, and, um, I find him, he's, he's been profoundly impactful in my life because he's someone who just really is really genuine and authentic. And he doesn't just talk about it. He actually does it. Like, for example, you know, there's a, he has lots of like helpful bids. He'll send them over and he'll be like, here's some, you know, and he's like, I want you to work with me at the end of this bid. But by the way, what I'm going to do is I'm going to offer a course. This course is about $3,000, $4,000. I'm just telling you that up front. Um, there's no sales pitch or anything, but this is going to help you. And if you want more, then we're going to talk about that at the end. And so you already are totally prepared. There's no like surprises. It's like, Hey, this Mm -hmm. is what we're doing. But every video that I watch from him, he really does honor what he says. Like there's something helpful about it. And it's, and the way in which he speaks about it, you know, I love that core influence talk that he has online, which is like a couple hours long. Yeah. There's one of the, it was a profoundly shifting talk. Like it was one of those keynote, um, conversations that, that changed my life. Mm -hmm. And I did the work. I did everything that he said. I did all the questions and everything. And it, it helped me to understand myself in a way that I just didn't know before. Mm -hmm. And that's just out there online as like, uh, you know, something people can get. And, um, you know, but I mean, it just goes to show that like, that's a person out there constantly offering value and you don't have to be any more than you are. And in fact, if you met him, you know, I think, uh, you, you know, or even, even just, you kind of like tuned into a video, you wouldn't necessarily assume that he was like, cause he doesn't, he's not sh- a show off. Like he's not showing off. Mm-hmm. He has another talk, which I'll just mention that by the way, since we're on the topic and I want to give him a bit of tribute. 
but he has a talk about if you're going to be a coach or a mentor or teacher, he's like, don't, don't be someone that's like, don't go the I'm so great model. Like go, cause it's like, he's like, he, he gives us a analogy where he's like, imagine I showed up to your house and I was just like, look how great I am. I got this new shirt. I'm driving this Ferrari. Oh, by the way, look at these shoes. They're awesome. Aren't they? I'm, I'm living in a mansion. So by the way, this is how I got all that stuff. You know, it's like, now you're like, okay, so now you got to model this, right? But what's the problem now yeah. is that if you don't feel like you're some kind of wow success, now you have to always kind of have this image of like, I am this thing. Whereas mm. it's like, he talks about like, you know, instead of making yourself so important, make the other person important, talk about them and help them. Yeah. Like what's important to them. Cause who cares? Like, like at the end so, of the day, yeah, we're all in it for ourselves. Right. I mean, ultimately down at the core. <laughs> so let's just be honest about that. And let's not pretend like, you know, and we don't, and then when you, when you, when you kind of have that, you kind of realize that like, you don't need to be so special, you know, and this whole idea of needing to be special. I mean, I think that needing to be special creates a lot of problems. And I'll just say from my personal experience, it, I believed when I was younger, I needed to be special. I really did believe that. And, and I, at a certain point I didn't feel special. So I didn't feel lovable. I didn't feel good enough. I didn't feel like I added up because I yeah. had to be special to get the things that I wanted. But when you don't have to be special anymore, you can have what you want and you don't have all that personal devaluing. Yeah. And then, and then it also brings up this whole question. It's like, okay, well, what makes me special? Yeah. Why am I special? And then <laughs> it's the just like, why am I special? Well, because it's yeah. the ego. It's, it e- is, it's, yeah. it's ego voice. Yeah. Like, why am I special? We I should just... always use that as yeah. the ego voice. Yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's come up with something. Yeah. So something really good. It'll sound really smart. Like Batman. Really? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. What makes me special is that I, uh, I, and then you come up with some, you come up with some sort of absurd thing. It's totally contrived. Totally. You know, and, and I think when we actually touch on something special is when we just start being, Mm -hmm. when we just start being like honest with ourselves and with other people, you know, like that's when something special happens. Totally. Yeah. And I don't think special is like one of those things that I don't think you can manufacture it really. It's like a, it's, um, it's kind of a discovery. I mean, there's those, there's those perfect moments in life that are really special to you, but you almost don't even notice them until you're in them. You know, it's not like you can kind of, you can try to create them, but when they, you know, I don't know. I, I, I think, think it's, special is what you give to other people. Yeah. You know, that's what makes you special. I also like, think it's not just what you give, but it's a recognition of something that like it's, 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 it's a recognition like, uh, you know, special can happen all the time. It's just, are you, are you recognizing that it's there? You know? Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And, and because it does, it comes down to not because you're literally giving something to somebody like, as in, Oh, I'm giving you a gift or I'm giving you advice. I'm giving you, you know, um, I don't know, wisdom. I'm giving, like, I'm literally giving you something, but sometimes I think that we can give, we give to people through our being. Hmm. And especially when we are in that place of authenticity and just complete transparency in, in who we are and we allow other people to be themselves to, for them to drop that shit. That's, that's a fucking amazing thing to give to people. Totally. Yeah. 
And that's, and people will say, it's like, wow, it's like, it's like, you'll be blown away. Like I, I know that I've been blown away with just brief interactions with, uh, with people before just like, and it's almost always comes down to the genuineness of their character. Mm-hmm. You know, you just like, there's something about them that just like, it allows you to be a little bit more who you are. And that's a gift that is like, there. it's, it's invaluable mm-hmm. to give that to somebody. And, and, you know, sometimes it's just like a brief thing here or there. I remember when I met Dan Millman, who we talk about on the show, I went to see him give us, give a talk yeah. at a, at a hotel years ago or something, this big conference room. And, uh, after he had kind of given his talk and, and then we also got to watch, um, the movie that was based on his book, uh, peaceful warrior. But, uh, but in the intermission between his talk and the movie, he was, uh, he was just sort of like went out into the, into the lobby or whatever, just outside of the room. And, uh, I brought a copy of my book with me, not knowing if he was actually going to do any sort of a signing. And, and, uh, I just went out to him and, and I was like, Hey, would you like, because there was nothing like, there's nobody around him. He was just kind of like standing, <laughs> yeah, standing, like having like a drink of water or something. And I just went up to him and I asked him, he's like, he's like, yeah, absolutely. Like, what's your name? Like he was just like, just, the, it was his complete way of being with me. And I just said, listen, thank you so much for the work that you're doing. Like, it's really like been important to me. And he just looked at me and he like shook my hand a second time. He was like, thank you so much. And that was it. Like it was, it was a very simple interaction with somebody, but it was like, it was extraordinary Hmm. because I just felt like, Oh, like he's, I don't know. I just felt so at ease Hmm. with this person, you know, not just because he's kind of like a spiritual and (laughs) philosophical, you know, mind of our, of our time. But, uh, yeah, it was just, there was just a, it was just a genuineness of his being that was really inspiring. Mm. And I think that there are some of the greatest figures of, of history are people who have been like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, um, I mean, I, I'm fortunate, you know, certain, I have, I have a few mentors in my life at the moment. And, um, that, that is one thing that, you know, I find that we, we have is a certain genuineness with each other. And, um, you know, just an honesty, you know, and I, I think about some of the talks that we have and there's just no, like, there is no image. There's no, uh, you know, they know, they know me as much as I can share with them. And I know them as much as they can share with me. And it's not, you know, they're mentors for me, not because they're all high and mighty in the world, but you know, what you find out is you find out that like this person who looks like they're, they're just so like successful and, you know, externally, whatever, they're a real person, right? And when that person is really real and they're connecting with the real, real person, you know, you build a certain kind of relationship that's just built on a certain amount of truth. And, um, you know, one of my mentors, we were just having a conversation about this and like he, you know, you mentor other people as well in certain areas, but he, you know, he and I have a certain kind of bond, a certain connectedness and a certain consistency and I was asking him about someone else who, who's kind of like, you know, in kind of like someone he helps a lot. And, um, you know, and he was saying like, yeah, like, you know, this person is not like, uh, 
you know, there, there's a certain kind of like image, there's a certain kind of image that they're trying to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I think that that's the thing is like, there's no point. Like, I mean, there's, when you, when you actually want to be real with someone, there is really no point in, in trying to be an image with them because you actually just lose, right? Like if I act to my mentors, like I'm better than I am, then they don't know to help me. But if I mm -hmm. am honest with them and I say that I'm struggling or like this, whatever, um, then they can go, Oh yeah, well, you know, I've been there. And it's like, okay, well, you know, like one of my mentors was pointing out the, the, uh, just the other day was saying like, you know, I've noticed, you know, you're kind of, you, you have this strong feminine side to yourself. Like you're very, you're very compassionate. You're being very, you know, um, gentle and whatever in certain areas. But he's like, I'm going to tell you right now what you need to build just in this time in your life. And you've been doing good at it. Push more, more masculinity. You need a little bit more aggressiveness. You need a little bit more assertiveness in your life. Mm -hmm. Take what you want, go for it, be willing to, and, and it was good advice, but you know, he can tell me that because he, you know, cause there's an honesty, like, but if I was acting like I'm all macho and I'm like, yeah, I got everything together. I'm doing my thing, you know, yeah. then he wouldn't give me that advice. Right. Cause then it, there wouldn't be that window, but because there's like a, an authentic element between our relationship, he can say, look, I'm, 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 I'm observing. And this is what I'm seeing. Do this, apply this. It will help. And it really does. And he's actually been coaching me. He's pushed me in that direction already, but he's like, go more, go further. And, um, you know, for me, like, um, my mom is an amazing woman. She's just an amazing woman. She's taught me so much about kindness and giving and compassion and love. And I, I'm just so blessed. I spent most of my time growing up with her. Um, so I would say that I've taken most of her traits. You know, I, I talk about my dad a lot on this podcast, but I've taken probably most of my mom's traits. And just because I've spent so much time with her, and I've got to model her so much. But um, in certain ways, um, those those attributes she gave me will be better expressed with a certain bit of masculinity. Um, like those feminine qualities of kindness and compassion and, and really like, um, being gentle and, and, and being caring. Um, sometimes as a, as, as a person in the world trying to get something done, you know, um, you need to not worry so much about how everybody feels, you know? And, and, and I think the thing that she instilled in me, which is the best thing that, that, the best gift that I've ever been given, really the best gift is she instilled in me to always be kind, to always be kind, no matter what you're doing. So now I feel like I can go out in the world and I can be assertive and I can take what I want. And I can do what I want, but I will be kind because that's at my core. That's at, that's something that she helped me build. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is kindness without courage, without the willingness to go out there is never really fully, fully expressed. Right. Because, yeah. you know, like what is kindness if you never, even get out there in the world and show your kindness. And, and, you yeah. know, but what is at the same time, what is courage without kindness? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So you need both. So, you know, I, I, I look at my dad, my dad taught me a lot about courage. My mom taught me a lot about kindness and it's really a great mix. And like right now in my life, it's, it's a little bit more about embracing the courageous side yeah. as opposed to, you know, I got the kindness. I got the kindness pretty dialed in right now. The courage is something that I'm working on. I still get a little afraid. I still back down from some opportunities that I would benefit from just going for. And so, um, you know, cause I, I'm constantly mindful not to hurt anybody's feelings and not to step on anyone's toes or rock the boat. But recently actually like, I'll just share a brief little story. Um, someone actually kind of trampled on something I really care about, you know, and I stood up to them and I said, you know, I said, no, I don't agree with what you're saying. Mm -hmm. 
And I stood up to him in a group of people and I said, no, I don't agree with what you're saying. And here's why. And I really rocked the boat. And they kind of like went back and I said, no, I, you know, this is something I care about. This is something that's important to me. This is something you say is important to you. Do not down talk that in front of us right now. If you're going to down talk it, like, let's like, let's look at that. Why, why are you even here? If you care about this thing right now, you know, it'd be like, it would almost be like if we were on this podcast and you started down talking this podcast, not that you ever would, but I'm <laughs> just saying like, right. Or we had a guest and the guest started down talking the podcast. I would stand up for the podcast. Cause I believe in my heart, genuinely, fully, truthfully, authentically that we are here doing something that's not only helping ourselves, but it's helping other people. And it's a good thing in the world. So if someone came in and started to trample it, I'd be open to their ideas, but if they started to trample us and, and whatever, and, and, and do so without backing it up with something really valid, I would stand up to them. And that's part of courage. That's part of being like, you know, but I could be kind about it, but I don't, you know, but I think too many times in my life where I've let things slide, you know, and that's what I'm learning in my life right now is like, go for what you want, take, take what you want. But at the same time, I'm going to just say this to to our listening audience, go for what you want. But, but if you're good at that, find kindness, find that compassion to like, like not take everybody down as you're doing it either. Yeah. I find that that's, uh, that's oftentimes the, the tricky thing to do, like, because especially when you're standing up for something, like you get into defensive mode. Yeah. And when you're in defensive mode, you're not necessarily in like kindness mode, right? You're not in trying to understand. Yeah. Right. Which is, um, which is a very important skill to learn when, when standing up and, and the best thing that I'm starting to discover with that is to try and bring people into the kindness, especially if my intention is good. Right. Right. It's just like, well, this is what I'm saying and this is why I'm saying it. And it's for these principles and it is for these reasons. Mm-hmm. Right. And usually you find a common ground there with somebody and now it's not just like, well, you're an idiot and you're wrong and totally. whatever. It's just like, no, this is what I'm standing for. Like, what do you think about that? Right. And it's just like, oh, well, yeah, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, you, you, really... you, you expressed it right. Cause it's not about being right or wrong. It's about making a stand for something you believe in and being like, I stand for this. I think this is valuable and I want to uphold this in the world. Whether you believe that's right or wrong is, is your prerogative, but, but this is the value I'm upholding with. And this this. is what I stand for. It's not whether you're right or wrong, but I stand for this. And on my watch or in my time, it's not okay, you know, for you to down that thing. Like I would never, the one thing I, one thing I am very hard about right now, and I draw a hard line on this you do not talk poorly about my friends behind their back. You want to talk poorly about them? Let's call them up right now and invite them here. And you say what you're about to say to me. Cause if you can't say it to their face, you're a fucking coward. <laughs> and I will say that to a person cause I don't want anyone doing that to me. And that happened to me in my life. Yeah. You know, and, and you can, you can tell right now, like I, I get, I draw a really fucking hard line on that. If you got something bad to say about someone, you call them up, you say that to their face and you grow up. You don't be a little wimp and talk behind their back. And people do that. But yeah. you know what? The other thing too is people are going to do that. I can't stop people from doing that. They're going to do that. That's going to happen. It's going to mm-hmm. happen in the future. It's going to happen with people. My saying this to anyone on the podcast ain't going to stop them. 
But I'll tell you something right now. If you talk behind someone else's back, you don't hurt them. You hurt yourself Mm. because you just destroy your internal world of what you can do. Because now you believe that other people will talk behind your back if you do that thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you, when you attack others, our, your actual, this your psychological lesson for you. Yeah. When you attack others, whether you're aware of it or not, you are now creating a culture where you are expecting an attack in return. Yeah. Not necessarily from that person, but you are expecting some sort of thing to come back at you. And so now you're in defense mode and now, and that just puts you into more of an attack mode and it's, and it continues to spiral down that way. It keeps on reinforcing itself. So, I mean, that's why so many, I mean, the Buddhists have long, like that's one of their big, you know, major tenets. It's like, do not speak ill of other people. Yeah. It's just a bad freaking thing to do. Right. It like hurts it's everybody. It hurts everybody. Right. Yeah. Not just her, but like mostly it actually really does hurt you. Yeah. It hurts the person more because psychological wounds are just deadly. They're so deep. They're so, um, they're so tricky and ingrained in there. They, they, they're hidden behind all sorts of things. Like when you see a judgmental person, what you have is someone with a psychological wound. And that's hard because we, we live in a culture that doesn't actually understand how to dig in past surface level symptoms, right? We see a kid with ADHD, but we don't, we, that's the symptom, but we don't actually dig in to like, where does that behavior come from? Why did that happen? You know? Um, so we, we have this culture that's built on surface level. So there's a real like lack of compassion and understanding mostly because people just don't understand what the hell's going on. But if you participate in it, like if someone talks poorly about you and you talk poorly about other people, you don't really have a leg to stand on when you, when you want to stand up to it. But if you don't talk poorly about people and someone else does talk poorly about you, you know, I find that the truth always surfaces eventually, you know, yeah. eventually that person who spoke poorly of you, they, they will be exposed and you know, there's a, the only way to not expose someone or the only way to let someone continue to, to hide in the darkness of like talking poorly is to talk poorly about them or talk poorly about others. Cause now you look similar, but yeah. when you don't, um, you know, when you, it's like a, it's when you, it's like if someone's punching you and you're not punching back, you know, they look violent, you don't look violent. Right. And the world begins to see it. Well, when someone talks poorly about you behind your back, they're doing a violent act. And so if you don't do violent acts and someone's doing a violent act against you, you begin, not that you play the victim or are the victim, but you begin to look like the victim to their attacks and they look like the aggressor. And now the aggressor, if they're not, if they have no, nothing, no reason to be attacking you, well, it's kind of like, well, why are you attacking them? What's your issue? You know what I mean? Yeah. So their truth gets exposed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and oftentimes for themselves, right. You know, to realize, uh, to bring back up Dan Millman again, I don't, I know he had said that he, he, I don't know if he remembered where he got this from, but, um, but I always liked it. And he said, peace is invincible. It contends with nothing. Oh, I love that. Yeah peace is invincible. It contends with nothing. Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah, no, it's, it's great. And again, so many, like through the years, like, uh, there's been so many people who have, who spoke about, you know, pacifism and nonviolence as, you know, really the only way to change people's minds about anything, because I mean, you attack and defend and it's attack and it's like, it's just like, it's, it's, uh, 
it's a self-perpetuating cycle yeah. of stuff because when you attack a person now is justified in their defense and then they attack back out again. And then now this person is justified in their defense, or at least you convince yourself that you're justified in your defense. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've gone through, through stuff like, uh, I remember we did that, um, weekend together at that, um, that development yeah. course, uh, men's group SOP. Yeah. SOP. Yeah. And, uh, and there was just like, you know, we'd gone through some stuff where it's like, you realize that, you know, we've, cr- we create these defenses about events in our lives, people in our lives. And we say, well, no, they did this and they did that and blah, blah, blah. And next thing you know, you've like really taken a good look at it and you just go, Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> I am not the victim of all this. I thought I was, I was a participant in this to a degree. I'm responsible to this to a degree, yeah. you know, like not that there's not accountability on, on all sides, but you know, it's, it's, we're so limited to our own perceptions. And, yeah. um, when we get into <clears throat> defensive mode, we just, we don't, we don't allow ourselves to, to look with compassion towards somebody else and to try and understand from somebody else's point of view. Yeah. And I think what, I think that the big lesson that I've been learning more and more is we actually don't realize that we do the same thing to ourselves. So like, like, um, there's kind of, uh, there's kind of, you know, actually the, the, um, native Americans, um, actually came across this, but, um, you know, psychology, they, they have a story. It's called the two wolves. It, uh, you know, I, I believe that was an Aboriginal story that came about, but anyway, the, the whole idea is that we always have, and, and there's many different psychological, um, personal development course, things like that, where they talk about how you have two people inside of you at all times. Mm-hmm. And so those two people are, are inside of you are doing the same thing you would do say in the external world. So if I have an enemy in the external world, I have that very same enemy inside myself as though it's like another person who just takes up rent inside my house. Mm-hmm. Right. And so what ends up happening is you can't, like, if you fight out here, you fight inside. So the war never stops. That's why like forgiveness is so important. That's why like letting go is so important. That's why allowance is so important. That's why like empathy is just so important because you actually, regardless if you heal that relationship outside in the external world, you begin to heal that relationship inside. Mm-hmm. Earlier in this conversation, I mentioned one of my flaws right now that I'm working through is I haven't forgiven everybody. And I'm really working on that. I really am working hard at, at rounding out all the little edges, forgiving them for every little thing. I've forgiven these people for a lot of stuff, but there's certain little, little things that are still kicking around. Right. Yeah. And the problem is, is like, it's not so much about them. I realize it's just so much about, I'm, I'm allowing that to poison me a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, they say like resentment is taking poison and expecting your enemy to die it's like basically <laughs> that's basically what it is. Right. So like, there's no point in having resentment or hate or any of this stuff. It's just like, why poison yourself? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, this is a, uh, this is interesting the way this conversation has kind of ventured off into here, mm-hmm. but, but I, I feel like what we're doing on this talk, um, at least what I'm gathering from it is we're really kind of talking about our relationship to ourselves and how our relationship to ourselves is, um, expressed in everything we do in, in our life. And particularly we referred to it in our, our acting 
and our art, at least with acting, yeah. but I mentioned, I imagine with all art, it probably relates, but like healing these wounds inside just makes you a better actor. It makes you a better artist because you're going to have access. You know, when you make something wrong in yourself or in others, you basically cut that out of your life. You can't, you're not, you don't have access to it anymore. Yeah. Like a bad guy. Like if you need to play a bad guy, the bad guy does not see themselves as a bad guy. Like at least if they do see themselves as a bad guy, they take pride in that. Mm-hmm. Right. But the thing is, is like, if you are judgmental and you make it wrong, they don't make it wrong what they do. Like, like, uh, for example, let's say a uh, husband finds his wife cheating and decides to go kill her and her lover. Well, to that person who went and did it, like they feel justified in it. Right. Yeah. Now let's take away the cheating thing. Just the husband decides he wants to kill his wife, but we don't know why. Now you might judge that not knowing the backstory. Right. And let's say it wasn't that she cheated. It was just that he wanted to, he wanted to get rid of her and he wanted to move on and marry someone else. And the best way to do it, he felt was so she wouldn't take half his shit was the killer. Now you're like, well, Hey, that's not as good of a reason. But for that person, if they did that, that made perfect sense to them. Mm-hmm. And you need to find compassion for them as hard as that would be. And that's the weird thing is like, you go, well, I would never do that. But the thing is you got to kind of figure like, out no, like, how did their, do that. Yeah. yeah. How did their ego life get to the point where they would tell a story where that would make sense for them to do. Yeah. And that's what you kind of got to do as an actor. And that's not kind of, that's what you literally I know. need to and do. The you know? thing is that we have to accept that. That's imagination, on, by the way. That's imagination. <laughs> but it's also by shining a light on our own sort of egos. Yeah. Um, and understanding how, how that works through us and how on a different level, like maybe not to a point, I certainly hope of, you know, murderous fits of rage, but we actually conduct the same sort of like things in our own minds, just on a different level. You know, like we justify, um, stealing, we still justify harming other people and doing harmful actions. Um, and, and it's, it's the same thing. I mean, maybe nobody died, but the, the process is the same, right? Like, it's just that the, the outcome is different. So to be able to accept that we have this within us is, um, I think massively beneficial to all of us as artists. I mean, I, I know this more so specifically pertaining to actors, but I just think that the more we get in touch with, the more we get in touch with that, the more we get in touch with, uh, our egos, how our processes work, the, the way that we act in the world, the way that we perceive the world and how we heal these things, like you said, like as we shine a light on it, which is the only way to, that you begin to heal it is you got to shine a light onto it. Yeah. You got to shine a light onto it. And that's the thing is when you shine a light onto it, you look at it and you see it in yourself and you, 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 you find empathy for that part of yourself. You now gain access to it. And I think that that's the the thing about, especially for actors. And I know we've been focused a lot on the acting side of things, but I would imagine for musicians to access certain emotional things too, all sorts of stuff, right? Painters, whatever. But you you gotta, you gotta start to accept this is a part of humanity. It's so if it's a part of humanity, it's a part of you. Yeah. And I think it even pertains not, not even necessarily specifically to an, to an art form. I think it, when you shine a light on these things and you learn to heal these things, you learn to forgive these things and, and let these things go that we've 
that you've been carrying around, it also frees us within the, our creative process as well. You know, like there's less sort of demons in the closet as it right. were, or in our head that are, are barking at us because again, like if, when you are in that mode of, of attack and resentment and this, like when you have all of that poison going on in you, it's very difficult to create with a large amount of freedom. Yeah. You know, because now there's all sorts of judgment that you have about yourself, all of this unworthiness and all of this kind of shit that we've talked about a lot on the show, which is really the, I think the biggest things that get in the way of us as creatives Mm -hmm. and as artists is it's like, it's, it's our judgments of ourselves. It's our feelings of unworthiness. It's the, those are the things that really stop us. Those are the, really the biggest things that are getting in the way of us creating is Mm -hmm. our own sense of I'm shit and blah, blah, blah. And when we can change our perceptions on the world and we can shine a light on what's actually going on within us and, and understand how we're being in the world and how we're taking the world in and shine a light and let it go. Suddenly there's all of this room to, to play and explore and, and to express, mm-hmm. you know, there's just, there's like, and I know this because I've been going through this. I'm just like, okay, you know, I'm not, I haven't completely exercised these things. I'm not absolutely free of all of this shit, but I am so much more aware of what that shit is. I know, I know I've let go of a lot of it and I know that it's opened me up to, and things are a little bit easier in a lot of ways, like things that used to just like take so much struggle and effort for me to just like, uh, just to do it. Yeah. Now I'm just like, Oh, you know, that's not so hard anymore. Mm-hmm. It's not so hard for me to do because I'm just, I'm not, I'm not so self-focused and just like, and worried about all kinds of crazy nonsense, mm-hmm. you know, from, from judgment of myself. Right. You, yeah. you, you know, I think the thing is, is you, you make your world a safer place when you don't, um, you don't bring resentment and all this poison and all this stuff, you know, all this spite and whatever into your life. You know, if you don't bring that into your life, the world's a very safe place to express, Yeah. you know? Um, you know, and the thing is, is like, we, we attack ourselves before anyone ever attacks us. You know, like you have, like, I work with writers all the time and like when they get writer's block, they're attacking themselves quite violently usually. And so really you got to remove the attack. Once you remove them attacking themselves, all of a sudden it's like easy to write because it's easy to play in a safe environment. Like if you write and there's so crazy that, because yeah, it's like, and we're making an unsafe, sorry to cut you off, but go ahead. Yeah. It's like you're creating an unsafe environment for yourself. Yes. Which is nuts because yeah, like you, and that's all, all your own mind that's made it unsafe for you. Totally. It's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. I mean, I think, <laughs> I think most people don't do their dreams because they've already made up in their mind how unsafe it is to even express and expose themselves. I mean, and, and, uh, I don't know. I mean, a lot of us went through high school and whether we were on the, on the end of being made fun of or making fun of others, we got 
poisoned either way, because even insulting someone else, that's a judgment, that's self-hate. And if someone um, insults you, but you don't have the self-esteem or confidence yet, you take that on as though it's personal, as though it actually means something about you. Mm-hmm. And then you, you know, you, you kind of take that on as though that's you. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's funny, like, <laughs> oh, my dad shared a story that was so hilarious. Um, it was so good. He was like, someone said to him, someone said to him, he's like, you know, you're a real asshole. And he said, and he was just like, he was like, oh yeah, thanks. <laughs> it was just like, he just took it on the chin, just took it like, yeah. oh yeah. Cause you know what, for him, it, it didn't matter what the person said. It just didn't matter. Like he was totally unaffected by it. He was like, and he, I think he said, I think it was something like, what, what else do you think of me? <laughs> you know, he, he like just threw it back at him. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Cause like when you're, when someone's attacking you and you don't, you're not, it doesn't even do anything to you and you're not, you don't take it personally, their attack, if their attack was to damage you or hurt you or do anything, but you're just, you can't be damaged by it. Cause you're like, whatever, like you're entitled to your opinion. You know, that's how you feel or that's what you think. But like, like when people, when, when you start to realize that people are doing stuff, that that's really just an expression of them, like an insult. Someone says, I wish I knew this when I was a kid. I mean, I think kids should learn this like day one, you know, that if anyone throws an insult at you, they're actually really telling you who they are. They're telling you what they don't like about themselves. Mm -hmm. That's really what they're doing. So if you knew that you could be like, like, so this guy says you're an asshole. You could be like, Oh, I'm sorry to hear that about you. (laughs) You know, really that's what's going on. Yeah. Cause like, it's like, I see you as an asshole is, is, uh, you know, um, is, is your, you know, whatever. Like, so the thing is, is, but people do this, like people will say stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, I, I told you, I shared this on an earlier podcast. It was one with that uh, cat actually where we interviewed oh, yeah. her and I told you about how a director once on set called me a suit. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah and I yeah. was like, what the hell? Like you call me a suit. I just think that's so funny. Like, you know, um, considering that I've been like, committed to being an artist my whole life. But in certain ways, yeah, I'm kind of a suit, but you know, um, but it was funny because actually what that person was really saying was that it's not okay, that, that I can't be that. And I can't even that that's wrong, that being a suit is wrong. So like for them, they're limited. Cause I, I go, well, I could be a suit and I can be an artist. I can be whatever. All are good. You know, actually I look at it now and I go, it doesn't really matter what you, what you think of me. Sure. Maybe mm-hmm. you see me that way, but if you say it as though it's negative, what you're saying is that it's negative for you because by the way, this film exists because I'm producing it and I got the money behind it. And I'm part of the reason why everyone's here. Yeah. So, um, that's a pretty good thing. So if you want to call that being a suit, then thank you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. what am I supposed to say? Like, you know, are you going to call a 16 year old kid that he's, he's the guy that supplies the camera and the lights, the suit, you know, I mean, it, it's like the, this kid who's 16 years old, who's making the film just cause he has all the gear and the computer and the whatever, you know, he, and he's making it possible that it's not a down thing, you know? And if he's like, listen, I don't want my camera broken. And he's telling the friend and the friend is like, you're a suit, man. Like, like relax. We're an artist. Like, it's like, no, I don't want my you know camera to die because I want to make another film after this. And I want to shoot the rest of this thing. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that doesn't make them bad. That makes them responsible. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's like, it's funny how, how actually someone tried to insult me for doing a good thing, but people will do that. It's so bizarre, but it's actually them I mean, and it's actually just landing on me more and more as we're having this conversation, but it's like so funny because it's just really like, it's almost funny because 
It's like that person was actually just showing me their limitations. They, it had nothing to do with me, really. I just exposed something they didn't like about themselves, mm-hmm. and something they don't they don't they don't give themselves allowance for. Yeah, yeah. And that could even be in the form of of jealousy, sure, or envy. Well, I don't even know where it was coming from. Right, it could have very well it been from been that. Very yeah. well been that. You know, yeah. it's just like oh, like I'll never be in that sort of position of you know being the, you know. Right. of being the suit, you know, I'm a, I'm just like, I can't be, a, so, so it I'm is, in it's, a, it's I'm a act all high and mighty about being an artist as though that's somehow better. Yeah. And it's like, no, we're a team. We're in this together. Like, even if you don't like me, we're both on this project. So we're both like, we're all part of the team. Like if I yeah. lose, you lose, you lose, I lose. It's not like nobody, nobody wins by tearing each other down here. No, <laughs> no. Right. And <In> any <laughs> we're working on the same project, yeah. you know? <laughs> Right? And I think that goes that goes across the board in in life too. Yeah, nobody wins by tearing somebody else down. No, nobody wins. Hey, so uh, beer. We've had a great talk. I want to talk about this beer. Yes. So I had a great chat. I was hanging out there at um, you know off the rails, which is where this beer is from. Um, and then, yeah, we were having a great chat, and I was telling them they were actually the first place that I ever got a growler from. Oh. And it was funny because it was right when they opened and they were like, Oh really? You came like right when we opened. And, um, they actually, my, my growler has a special sticker on it that not all growlers have oh. that come from there. So it's a sign that it was actually like one of their first growlers because the way, whatever they're ordering of it. Yeah. And they had to actually put a sticker on it and stuff. And it's a really cool growler. Yeah. But it's funny. It was the first one. And so anyway, um, this beer has an awesome name. So before we talk about it, I'm just going to tell you the name, please. It's called Eastbound and Brown. Eastbound and Brown. <laughs> nice. I like that. So it's a, it's a dark ale. Really yeah. dark. Hey? Yeah. But tasty. Really you've been, uh, you've gone through a, a glass and a half now. Yeah, Same no, it's, it's really good. I don't know why I always kind of, I never gravitate towards the darker beers. Yeah. Which I don't even, I don't understand. Maybe it's just because I never really grew up drinking them, but I know when I was in Ireland, like I was drinking stouts and loving it. Yeah. Like, so I've got to, I've got to branch out more often and do that. You're always the one who gets the darker ones, <laughs> but this has been really good. Like it's, it's a tasty it's, one. It's yeah. tasty. It's like creamy yet refreshing. Yeah. It, it's like, um, it's definitely got like a little bit of a, it, it's got a little bit of a, um, a body to it, I, I guess you yeah. call it. But, um, but it's not so much that it's overwhelming. Like I, like I'm finding it's going down pretty quick, pretty easy and it's enjoyable. There's nothing too much about anything. They, they really dialed this one in. I really like it. It's actually an ale yeah. and, um, they did it. Um, so it's kind of a seasonal really, it's kind of to introduce fall. So this is kind yeah. of their introducing fall. Um, they actually told me they're like, we wanted to get the taste of fall in there. <laughs> <laughs> and by the time you hear this, it's probably spring. Yeah. But <laughs> so you might even heard in this, uh, while we were talking some pops in the background, it's actually like Halloween weekend right now. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a few fireworks going off. Um, you know, but, uh, mostly the, it sounds like this, the studio has been keeping them out, which has been good. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, so it's good beer. I'm enjoying it. Um, I'm enjoying this conversation too. Um, why don't we, uh, why don't we, I don't know, start wrapping it up. Yeah. Maybe? Yeah. I think so. We covered some really interesting topics. I mean, some of the things that we talked about, I mean, we talked a lot about acting. We talked a lot about the psychology that we're all going through. And I think that, um, is an interesting topic that we've kind of ventured into more so because 
we, we as artists are our own instrument in so many ways. And so it's really important for us, I think, to be aware. And, um, you know, it's kind of like, I'm going to go back to my, my mom and that lesson, you know, she really taught me the lessons she taught me around kindness. And I've been learning to embrace them more and more as I've become, you know, as I've grown up, but just, you really got to be kind to yourself. And that's where it starts, you know, and it's about being honest and kind. And I think the more kind that you are to yourself, and I, I would say this, the more kind I've been to myself, the easier it is to be more courageous the easier it is to put myself out there, the easier it is to just do life because the world becomes a very safe place. It becomes become kinder to other people. Yeah. And you naturally do. I mean, you just naturally do because, and the more I forgive, the more I let go, the more I heal my wounds, the more I accept um, myself and everybody else as they are. And I don't, um, you don't make anything necessarily wrong. I see that there's destructive things in the world and I see that there's people who are up to really no good in certain mm-hmm. ways. Right. But, um, but to, to, to bring kindness into the world, I think is a light. Yeah. And then to, to have that backed up with courage, which is my next lesson, which is I'm really, I'm really trying to push on the courage now, but with kindness, really, um, filling that in, Yeah. you know, um, I think really anything's possible. And I think that is a, an accessible instrument. And I would attribute my, um, really like great auditions and great experience with acting to, to this sense of internal kindness, because I'm being so kind to myself that when I get into the audition, I don't need to be any different than I am. I really am just being me like, um, not my ego, but I'm being myself and I can step into this character's ego. So to, so to speak, and just be like, this is connected, grounded, authentic work. And, 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 um, I'm getting like a good response. You know, it's like, um, obviously they're calling me back. Things are happening. I keep getting brought in, you know, by the same people. Um, so something is working, you know, but it's been fun. Mm-hmm. That's been the best part, man. I can tell you acting again is fun. Cause I went through a period where it was not fun for me. Yeah. It was a, it was drudging. It was just like hell. It was yeah. like, I stressed out about auditions. I was like, you know, I'm like, man, I just feel like I didn't do a good job. I felt like I, I didn't feel like that was authentic. I felt it was pushed. Yeah. You know, I couldn't access myself emotionally. You know, like I didn't, and then you start trying to throw band-aid solutions on. I got to fix this and fix yeah. this and fix this. And it's like, like we've uncovered, I think just in the last podcast, like yeah. it's always something underneath that. Right. It's always something deeper. So, so I think that's what we're getting into. I mean, we kind of got into a little bit more of what's causing our problems as mm-hmm. opposed to, and I, and I hope that this conversation begins to help people, um, get down a little deeper. Like that thing I shared about that writer I'm working with. Yeah. They said their character was judgmental, but really the deeper message, the deeper flaw was that the character has a certain kind of self loathing, a certain kind of self hate. Yeah. And, uh, and not accepting themselves. So I think if we take the behavior we do and see that as a symptom and we dig deeper and we go, why do I do that? Like, why, why do I try to prove to everyone I'm good enough? What must be going on for me to feel the need to do that? Mm-hmm. Right. And we heal the deeper issue. We don't have to have bad date solutions. We can actually, you know, and yeah. we can have fun because I'm having fun right now, man. I'm loving life. I'm loving <laughs> acting. I'm loving everything. I'm loving what I'm writing. It's just been wonderful. That's beautiful, man. Yeah. That's a great place to be working from. Yeah. And it took me a while to get here, man. It's been a lot of, a lot yeah. of self, you know, uh, dig in, you know? 
Yeah. And it's, it's a worth, I'll just add to that. That's a worthwhile thing to go through. And sometimes it's a difficult thing to go through, but like, you know, what do you got to lose Yeah. <laughs> at the end of it? All you have to do is gain. It's all growth. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and just embracing that process, sort of learning, like I said, at the start as well, it's like just being fascinated by all of it. I love that. Like even that's so good where I'm just like, wow, like this is some serious shit. So like sometimes even when it's really dark, I'm like some serious shit and just being fascinated. It's like, what is this thing? Yeah. What is this thing? I'm like working it out, working it out, working it out, working it out. Right. And it's, uh, it's an interesting, yeah, it's just fascinating. (laughs) It's a fascinating thing to do. And that's the best way that I've found. I'm like, okay, I can't deny that sometimes this feels like shit, Yeah. but I'm, I'm interested in what's going on. Um, but yeah, for me, I mean, I'll just touch on it. Like you said so much there that I'm, I, I won't necessarily try to add I'll on let to, you go but, first next podcast. but, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I'll, I'll just touch on, I mean, we talked a little bit about, um, that whole thing of like fake it till you make it and oh, stuff yeah. like that. And, and, you know, it might be a way of like a short term thing to give you sort of the courage that you need. But, you know, I, I would again say the better route might just to be to really accept where you're at, you know, and, and with humility and honesty, walk into that situation. You'll find that there's a lot of people who are willing to help you yeah. because of it. Um, and the other thing I really want to mention, I was something that you just said close to the end there. I'm like, wow, that is absolutely fantastic is, um, is how we make, how we make our work unsafe for us, you know, and that's just like, that's, man, that's, I love that you said that (laughs) (laughs) because it's like, there's, there's so much truth in that, that I'm seeing, Hmm. um, where it's just like, yeah, it's like, and, and how can you explain that? Like when you are in like the privacy of your own room, you know, working on this monologue or writing this script or writing this song or something. And you, it has become so unsafe for you to create. Yeah. Like that's a, such a good point. Like man. that's just, yeah. well, you said it. <laughs> no, but that's right. I mean, you, but you, you put an example to it. It's so crazy. We can be alone. We're not even around the world and we feel unsafe. And we feel unsafe. And oh, I think it's people, so, I mean. yeah. it's so important that we, we acknowledge how we've, we're making ourselves feel unsafe to do this. What is it that is making us feel unsafe in doing this? Right. And shine a light on it. Like we were saying, like shine a light on this stuff, because that's the only way that this, you're going to clear this out and find that sort of beautiful light at the other side of freedom of expression. Hmm. And I think that I also wanted to mention this earlier on, because I think a lot of people get, because this shifted something for me as well, gave me an understanding. It's like, oh, well, you know, sometimes there is something to be said for expressing like the, the really dark stuff. It's like, well, there's, being in the thick of the dark stuff, but there's also being able to shine a light on the dark stuff and being able to express it with an awareness of it, as opposed to it just being like a bleak, nothing, I guess, you know, you don't have to be absorbed into it in order to still communicate sort of the underbellies of things, I guess. The way I take what you just said and interpret it is you don't have to suffer and be a victim to the darkness. Yes. You can like, like you can see the darkness as kind of a gift and, and an access to a world that 
you know, is, is valid. Yes. As opposed to being like, Oh my God, my life's so hard and everything's like, you know, and just like, I think, uh, artists do need to access the darkness, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, we don't need to fall victim to it and be like, and basically like harm ourselves by, you know, something that happened in our past or something or, or, you know, or, or beat ourselves up because, you know, you find out, Hey, like, for example, you know, I, I look back at my life, um, you know, at a certain point and I go, man, I was pretty arrogant around certain things. I didn't see myself as arrogant at the time, but I look back and oh man, like I was kind of arrogant, but it, it's no good for me to go beat myself up about that. At the time I was doing the best I could. And maybe I didn't have the best behavior. Maybe I didn't do everything the best. But the thing is, is like, I can have compassion for those. Like, why did I have arrogance? Well, I probably had arrogance because I really just didn't feel good enough. And I wanted to feel like I felt good enough. So I acted like I did and I was faking it till, you know, yeah, I made it, which was not working. Obviously. <laughs> it really didn't work. Yeah. You know, I don't want anyone to interpret as though it did work. It didn't. It was yeah. like actually like really <laughs> holding me back. Um, it was actually once I stopped faking it, that things started to work. And like right yeah. now I think, and I, I shared about that, about acting. The only reason why I think I'm enjoying it so much, well, not the only reason, but one of the majors is like, I'm just really like, like, I don't really try to be anybody right now. I'm just like really just loving it. I like really love acting. I'm like really loving trying on this character. It's yeah. just like fun. You know, it's like, I feel like a little kid again. You know, when, I don't know if you ever did this when you were a kid, but I did all, all the time it was like, just play imagination. Like my friend Robbie and I would do it all the time. We just grab our cap guns and pretend we were running around like playing Miami vice or something. Yeah. But it's like, I feel like that right now. It's like, I don't know where the shift occurred, but it was something between our last podcast and like now, like, well, I mean, it's been shifting, like, but the real, like, it's just like, things are just, it's been, you know, it's actually the seeds been over, were planted. Then the harvest is happening now. Yeah, like it's, been, <laughs> it's actually been happening over the few months, but I'm really seeing the benefits over this last month. Like this yeah. October has been wonderful. You know, it's just been really wonderful. Like auditions have been like, it's like, I'm, I'm, it's like I've started acting again for the first time, except it's like, I knew, like I actually started from a place of like experience. Mm-hmm. It's a really wonderful thing. And, and writing again, like I was really like having trouble writing, but yeah, like, you, you know, there's the way you put that. I think that's the thing is, is it's just, we got to make it safe for ourselves. Yeah. I mean, it's already like, I think we, you know, there's one thing you go into the world and we're scared. We can argue, okay, well, I'm scared of judgment. I'm scared of, you know, embarrassing myself. I'm scared of all that. But, but we got to, as artists, we got to at least be okay in our own, like by ourselves, you know, mm-hmm. like we, we got to, feel like we can safely create our song or our screenplay or, you know, our philosophical argument or whatever it is. And we need to like, just like this podcast, like, honestly, this is when we have these conversations, I feel extremely safe. I actually feel even safe with their audience. I don't even know who's listening. I actually think that right now it's like anybody could throw any insult at us and I I could just take it on the chin and I would be totally fine with it. Because right now I just, I really deep down at my core really feel connected that we're doing a good thing. And I think that, you know, I think people will benefit and some people might not like it, but you know what? At the end of the day, that's fine. They, they're entitled to their opinion, but I just feel really safe. And, that, and that's, I think the genuine message is coming up. I, I get that from you too. Yeah. You seem to be as well. And, and I think that's, I hope that if we can teach them any lesson, I think here's the thing. Our audience could learn that if they feel safe, that they will actually begin to express their full potential. 
Yes. I think safety is like kind of, it's weird. It's like, that's really where it comes down. We got to be safe to express and play. And, and understanding that most of that sense of safety or lack of safety is coming from ourselves. Yes. Yeah. Perfect, man. You never know what's going to (laughs) happen on not so serious Sunday. They get a little serious, but they're fun because we just don't know where they're going to go. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right, everybody. That was our show for today. Thanks a lot for listening and being a part of this. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Or you can learn more and message us at www.thebndpodcast.com. Oh, and make sure to leave a comment and rate us on iTunes. That will really help us out a lot. It definitely will. Thanks.